God is not working overtime this morning trying to get your attention. His invitation has been clear and it's been strong and it's been the same for quite some time. His invitation is simply this to follow me. When you look at scripture and you look at Jesus and his life, you know, every time he encountered someone, the invitation never swayed. It never changed. It was always simply this, follow me. It was never over the top. It was never abrupt. It was never in your face. It was always just a simple message of follow me. And we know from scripture that there are people who chose to follow Jesus. And we know from scripture that there are others who chose to do their own thing and to follow their own way. And I think that leads for a question for us is, who's navigating my life? You know, how do I choose to navigate through this life? And we've been looking at the book of Acts, and today we're going to look at the last two chapters, Acts 27 and 28. We're going to look at those, and we're going to see how this story wraps up in this particular book, which began all the way back at the start with Jesus just a, just resurrected from the grave and about to ascend into heaven, looking at his disciples and saying, look, I'm about to ascend into heaven, but you go into Jerusalem and you wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you will go from that place. You'll be my witnesses all throughout this place and all over the earth. And then we followed the, the, the journey through the book of Acts, through the lives of several different disciples as they have followed Christ, and we've seen what that meant for them to follow Christ. And as a matter of fact, what we've been talking about in particular in this series is we've been trying to point out that there is a distinct difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. That there are several people who would say that I believe in Jesus, but there are a fewer amount of people who actually follow him. And there is something that distinguishes a believer in Christ from a follower in Christ, and that is a follower in Christ is the one who says, okay, if God has said it, if God is calling me to do this, then I will do the things that he has called me to do. I will live out the things that he's put in front of me to live out. And that's what Acts has so beautifully given us is example after example after example of people who followed Christ. And we've seen some of these followers of Christ experience tremendous joy and tremendous success and amazing things happening in their life. And we've seen some of these followers of Christ go through tremendous hardships and tremendous struggles, but God has had his hand on them and seen him through these things. You see, sometimes when we're thinking about what the difference between believing in Christ and following Christ is, we struggle with this idea that we, we think that if we choose to follow Christ, that what that means is then life is just going to get easy from there. And can I just tell you something? It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Following Christ doesn't mean that your life is always going to be easy, but I'll just go ahead and tell you this. Not following Christ doesn't mean that either, right? Sometimes life is just life. And, and we're, we're going through things and life has high points and life has low points. But what are we using where do we go to navigate all of the things in life that come our way? Because as we live this life, if we're holding on to the best that we can do, then all we will ever get is the best that we can do. But if we will choose to follow Christ, then we're holding on to the best that he can do. And what our life can produce is the best that God 
can do. And so that's the, that's the reason, that's what should compel us in our heart to follow Christ. Not because we think the path would be easy. Not because we think the path might be you know, different or more exciting. But because we know that when we choose to follow Christ, we get all of him and all of his best. But when we choose not to, the best we'll ever do is all that we can do by ourselves. But God can do so much more if we will let him. And so as we look in the book of Acts, we followed many of the disciples' stories, and in particular, over the last part of the book, it zones in on Paul. If you're not familiar with Paul, he's a central character in the book of Acts. He's also uh, the author of many of the books in the New Testament, which happen to be letters that Paul writes back to the churches that he comes encounter with in Acts. And so a lot of the things that we're seeing in Acts are spurring the things that Paul writes about later. Now, Romans in particular, he wrote before he ever went to Rome. And so he's right now on his way to Rome. And that's where we pick up this story. In Acts 27, here's what's happened before then, that Paul had gone back to Jerusalem to give an offering. And while he was in Jerusalem, there were rumors that had spread about him that Paul was out among the people and the nations, and he was telling them. Now, this was the rumor, was that Paul was telling people that they didn't have to follow the Jewish customs anymore, that they could leave those things aside, and they could just follow Christ in their own way. That was not true at all. But the Jews were upset because they had believed these rumors about him. And because they were so upset, when Paul made his way back to Jerusalem, some of these Jews saw him, and they were beating him. They were angry at him. They had gathered around him, and they wanted to kill him. And the centurions came, the, the guards and the officers came around him and protected Paul, and they actually threw him into jail, not because he had done anything wrong, but they threw him into jail to protect him from the people who were wanting to kill him. And so while Paul was in jail, what we talked about was Paul was in jail, not because of something he had done, but because of something to protect him from. But they kept bringing him out in front of different people to present his case. And everybody that they brought him in front of would say, well, I don't know what to do with this guy. And so they just kept going on and on. And this went on for years. Actually, Paul got thrown in jail and was stuck there for years because people just didn't know what to do with him. And ultimately what happened, he's brought before this, this one governor, and he says, look, why don't you just go back to Jerusalem and you can handle these things in Jerusalem. But Paul said, no, look, if you can't handle it in this court, then I'm going to appeal to the Roman court. I appeal to Caesar. And so because he appealed to Caesar, they're shipping him to Caesar. And that's where we pick up the story today. And I'm not going to read through all of Acts 27 and 28, but I want to kind of guide you on the journey of what happens as Paul is choosing to follow Jesus Christ. He gets on the ship and he begins to sail for Rome. And it says at the end of this, in verse 6 of, of uh, chapter 27, it says, The centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. Sailing slowly for many days with difficulty, we arrived off Sindus. Since the wind did not allow us to approach it, we sailed along the south side of Crete to Salmon. And with some more difficulty, we sailed along the coast, came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lasea. By now much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than what Paul said. 
Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority, ah, the majority, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete, facing the southwest and the northwest to winter there. So let's make sure we get this picture in our heads. They're on their journey. They're having difficulty with the journey. Along the way, it's going slower than they all want it to go. And they decide, we're just going to push through this. We're going to try to make it through to the next thing. You ever, you ever had that moment where you're like, I know the weather's coming, but I think I can make it. Anybody ever had that car trip? I've done that before. I used to be an a assistant manager at a toy store. And we would always exchange things. Like at Christmas time, there would be, you know, some item that was really, really selling hot at our store, and it wasn't selling so well here. And so we would call around and find out who had it, and we would swap some of these things. And one day I decided that I could beat the, and you know when winter comes in Texas, we don't get snow. What do we get? Amen. We all get, it's ice. And I decided one day that I could make it, and I was in a hurry. And because I was in a hurry, I didn't prepare for the trip. I didn't think about the trip. I didn't do anything good for the trip. I called my brother, who was as intelligent as I was, and I said, hey, you want to ride with me to Greenville? I think we can pick these things up. So we were going from Texarkana to Greenville to pick up these items and to take them back, and we thought, we can make this happen. We know the storm's coming, but we can do this. So we literally, we get in the car, and we just, boom, we start driving. We get to Greenville. We get the items. We get in the car. We turn around to come back, and the storm had hit. And the storm had hit, and the roads had closed, and the DPS was out there saying, no, you, you can't go anywhere. I didn't even grab a jacket before I left. I'm thinking, we're just going to be in the car, I'm going to get out, I'm going to do this. I had no money. This was the days before cell phones, so we had no cell phones, no money, no jacket, no anything. Everything was closed. Well, because they had closed everything, you then try to go find a place to stay. Good luck. Because everybody else was trying to find a place to stay. And then I got to do the thing that all of us love to do. I finally got to a phone, and I called Dad. And his first word for me was, well, that wasn't real smart. <laughs> and I said, well, thanks, Dad. And Dad had to bail me out. He had to call a place and get us. I mean, I had no money, no nothing. He had to call a place. And then, you, you know, you come home tuck and tail and go, thanks, Dad. Thanks for getting me out of that. All because, yeah, I can get this. Well, this is kind of what's happening here. These people are going, hey, we're, we're going to go this way. Paul's saying, no, look, just, just write it off and just, let's just get there later. But no, they're in a hurry and they're moving. But, but think about this for a minute. At this point in time, Paul is not only just only a passenger on this ship. He's actually a prisoner on this ship. And so the captain, who knows it all, is saying, I think we can make this. And the majority goes along with this person while this prisoner is going, I don't think we should do this. And so to fast forward this story, what happens is they obviously they run into difficulty. They try to push through the storm. They get caught in the storm. They're caught in the storm for days. And they finally, they're cutting anchors. They're throwing things overboard. They're, there are people trying to escape. All these horrible things are happening, and they can't get anywhere at this point in time. And so then, after they're just about to give up all hope, Paul comes alongside them and he says, hey, look, God came to me last night and he said, we're actually going to make it. And even though I told you not to do this, which I love the fact that Paul said, hey, by the way, I told you not to do this. But, okay, you love those moments too, don't you? When you have that. And Paul said, but 
here's what's happened. God has told me that I have got to get to Rome. And so he's getting me to Rome. But in God's grace, he's also spared everybody else on the ship if we'll follow him this time. So now at this point in time, earlier when the captain and the majority all thought this was a great idea and we're going to ignore the prisoner, now that everything's in peril, the prisoner stands up and goes, hey, remember me? I'm the one that told you we shouldn't do this. And so now they all listen to Paul. But even in the midst of listening to Paul, what he tells them is, here's Paul's story. He said, God said we're going to be spared, but the ship is going to wreck. And so here's what happens. The ship wrecks. Everybody makes it to shore to this place called Malta. And while they're on shore at Malta and everybody thinks that they've escaped this thing, the first thing that happens is Paul gets to the shore and they're building this fire, you know, because you've got storm-tossed people and they're all wet and they're on, the, <laughs> they're on the shore. They build this fire and out of the wood that they're gathering, a snake comes and it latches onto Paul's hand. And so all the people on the island are thinking, ah, he escaped the sea, but this prisoner must have done something really bad because the gods have judged him. And so they see this snake on Paul's hand. He shakes it off, and they keep waiting for something to happen to Paul. But nothing happens to him. And so then that whole story turns around where they think, this must be some extraordinary man. And in the midst of all this storm, Paul has an opportunity to share the good news and invite people to follow Jesus on this island that he never should have been on, nowhere where he wanted to go, never where he wanted to be. But he's there, and he gets to share the good news of Christ and and because of what Paul did on that island they shared with them and they got him a ship and eventually Paul makes it to Rome. And so that is where this big picture of the story goes, but I want us to come back into this and think about specifically what we've talked about earlier is how in the world will we navigate this this type of life? You know, being a follower of Christ, we wouldn't think that it would mean that I'm going to end up in places that I didn't really think that I was going to be doing things that I didn't really want to do. Most of the time when we end up in those type of places, we are not in a good mood. Let's just be honest. We have this idea and this plan for how we want life to work out. And when it begins to go astray from our idea of this plan, we tend to throw some really good pity parties, okay? And we tend to look at things, and, and constantly we're fighting again. We're fighting against where life may be taking us, and we're trying to pull it back to our idea of where it should go. But we don't see this with Paul as a follower of Christ. What we see is that he just continues to be the person that he's supposed to be wherever he is, and that's what we see all over this. But here's the big idea that I want you to see this morning. Jesus' invitation to follow him is open to everybody, but not everybody receives it. And maybe... The best way to say it is this, it'll be your blank that you can fill in. All are welcome, but few will follow. All of us are welcome. Jesus' invitation to follow him is open to all, but few take up that invitation and actually follow Christ. Oh, there's many who believe, but there's very few who follow. You know, Jesus himself says it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it, like the majority of people who decided that this is the best idea to do this. You realize that that's what a lot of us naturally do in life. We just look to say, well, what is everybody else doing? Or what's going on here? Or we, we put our opinions out in front of people, and we wait to see what they think to do, and that's how we tend to navigate life. And what Jesus says is that's the way that will lead you to the most destruction. You'll miss out on the great things of life. He goes on to say, narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life, and few 
find it. You see, that's where that story, Acts 27, 11, the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than what Paul said. And so he missed out on this opportunity to follow the leading of the Spirit in that way. You know, something unique about Paul, everywhere he went, division followed. We've said this before if you've been with me along with this sermon series. Paul didn't go to places and share the message of the gospel and everybody got happy and all things worked out. But that's how we always want things to work out in our head. But it seems like everywhere Paul went that he would share the story and some of the people would follow Christ and others would not follow Christ and it seemed to divide things and then Paul would leave and the people would start arguing with one another and people would come in and try to undo what Paul did. You know, we have a default in each one of our hearts, you know that, right? That we want to maybe follow Christ, but then when things start going awry, we have this default to say, I'm just going to go back to what I know. I'm just going to go back to the old way of things. I'm going to go back to the things that make me feel good or make me feel safe. Or we just go back and default to our own wisdom. But trusting God and following him will lead you to a place that you will experience life in all that it can be, no matter what the bumps are along the way. And you only get that in following Christ. Anybody have scars? Anybody have a scar? Okay, I got a scar. I don't want to know where they are. Okay, scars. Here's something that's unique about scars. Every scar has a story behind it. Think about that. This one has a nine iron and a snowman behind it right here. Okay? See, now you all want to know, but you're not going to know today. All right? This one's an air conditioner and jumping on the bed. It's on the back of the head. When they shave my head a little short, you can see it coming through there. This knee's been put back together a few times. The appendix is gone. There's a great story with that one. That was fun. Okay? And it's all kinds of stuff. There's one right here that was adjusting things on a cymbal stand that went whap like that and ended up with stitches. And so now one hand stretches a lot further than the other hand does because of the scar tissue and all, all kinds of fun things. But every scar has some sort of story with it and some sort of lesson. And none of us wanted those scars. But now that we have them, we have a whole lot more knowledge along the way, right? And so what God wants to do is he doesn't want to necessarily save us from the difficulties of life. He wants to redeem those scars, And he wants to give them purpose because I'm going to tell you this again. Whether you follow Christ or don't follow Christ, you're going to get some scars. The question is, what are you going to do with them? What's going to be the story behind them and how are you going to use them? And Paul was willing to take whatever God gave him and follow him and say, I'm going to take every one of these scars and use them for him. So let's look real quick at what following well looks like. The first thing about following well is this, is that I can trust in God's providence. When we follow, not just believe in Jesus, but when we follow Jesus, then I can trust in God's providence. Now, providence may be one of those words that we don't use all the time, but it just means that we can trust that God is in control. God is in charge in all the things, and God is seeing over all of these things. And I go back to the story here where it says in Acts 27, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. And now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss in any of your lives. If you remember what Paul said at first is, I see that if we take this journey, we're going to have great loss and even loss of our lives. But Paul says, now there will not be any loss, but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. It's necessary for you to appear before Caesar, and indeed God has graciously given you all who are sailing 
with you. So Paul could trust in God's providence. God said, Paul, you're going to go before Caesar, and it's going to happen even though you don't think it's going to happen. And Paul trusted in that. But here's something unique that happened along the way. As Paul was following Christ, everyone who was around him ended up receiving a blessing that they didn't deserve. Do you want to be a blessing to those people around you? Then follow Christ. I, they had nothing to do. It doesn't say that they all became Christians and followed Christ and thanked Paul. It says that because Paul was following Christ, that God spared everyone who happened to be with Paul at that point in time. And I think that's an incredible thing. And when we understand that we're following well, we trust that God's in charge. And we can see incredible things happen. <laughs> I said it earlier, but why would anybody trust the prisoner instead of the captain? Well, now they trust him because things are getting so rough that they look at Paul and go, okay, let's try it his way. You know, I, I say this often, and so I, I just I want you to catch this again. Maybe you've heard me say it before. Maybe it's your first time to hear me speak, and that's great. But there's something I, I believe comes true a lot when you're a follower of Christ. Sometimes God leads us to do things, and he leads us to follow him, and he gives us a choice that makes no logical sense. We can think about it from every way and every angle that makes sense to us and go, this doesn't make any sense. It makes no logical sense, but it makes perfect spiritual sense. You catch me again, there is no logical reason why anybody on that boat would listen to the prisoner and not the captain. But it made perfect spiritual sense. Because when they did what God had led them to do, they all ended up getting the blessing and being saved. You see, the only way to follow God boldly, though, is to know him well so that you can know when God is leading you. You can't follow someone that you don't know, and you can't listen to where they're leading you if you don't know their voice. And so if you're going to trust in God's providence, you have to be following him. If you're going to be following him, you have to get to know him so that you can hear his voice. And when you do that, you will not only be on the journey that will lead you to great joy and great experience in life, no matter if it's a high point or a low point in life, but you will also be a blessing to those around you, even if they don't deserve it. God will use you in such a powerful way. You know, another thing about following well is this, is that I can celebrate God's goodness. We can celebrate God's goodness. You know, we just spent a few days celebrating Thanksgiving, and you, you stop maybe at Thanksgiving and think about things in the past or whatever. But I would just challenge you, have you stopped, especially if you're someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, have you stopped maybe even in this season or just some other time to look back and be thankful and look at how God has led you to this point? Because I can promise you something. If you're a follower of Christ, I, I promise you, you, you have the same type of testimony as I do. You stand here sometimes and say, I have no idea how I got to this place in life. And if you actually think back to the plans that you made and you think about, well, this is how I thought my life was going to work, that today looks nothing like that. But I will tell you this, as a follower of Christ, I will honestly stand before you and say that I am not anywhere where I thought that I would be at this point in life. But as a follower of Christ, I am in a place that I never dreamed I could ever be in life. And it's been so incredible following Christ. And he's done so much more for me than I ever thought that I could do. Everything that I could dream was so limited. But when I look at where I am and what God has done, you know, I, I knew when I was 16 years old that God said, I, I want you to go into ministry. Okay, and that's rare. 
for some people to know, okay, this is what I'm doing in life and at, at 16. And so I knew that. And at 16, I went, well, this is how this is going to work. And I just mapped out that plan. I'm going to do this, and 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 I'm going to do this. And exactly zero of those things happened. Zero. But I'm so thankful because the journey that God's had me on, now that I look back at it, I can start putting some of the pieces together and go, oh. And I can be so thankful. And I can celebrate God's goodness in my life that he didn't limit me to the things that only I could dream up. But he did so much more for me. You know, Paul knew that he was going to Rome. He knew that he was going to see Caesar. And I'm sure he had much rather been on a cruise ship than a prisoner on this ship. But when he looked back, he could actually celebrate the things that God had done. He got to go to Malta and witness to a whole people and, 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 and enjoy things with them. And then actually when he gets to Rome, it tells us in Acts 28, he says, There we found brothers and sisters and were invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome, finally. Now the brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us, and they came to meet us as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. So, so here's, the, here's the, the point here is that Rome was here and the port was down here. And there were people who heard that Paul was actually coming. And what this story is telling us, that they didn't just wait for Paul to stroll into Rome. They were so excited about him coming that they went down and met him on the journey along the way. And Paul was so encouraged by this that, God, you have not forgotten me. That you actually remember me, you know me, and you've brought me to this place. And now I can just celebrate the fact that you've been good to me. And that's what Paul was able to do. He's able to look and see how God's hand had been in this. And maybe as I'm talking about this this morning, perhaps the thought comes in your mind going, I, I just don't see how all this fits together for me, or I, I don't know that I've ever experienced like this. Well, then the invitation to follow Jesus, like I said, is clear. God's not working overtime to get your attention. He's simply inviting you to follow him. And when you choose to follow Christ, then you begin to experience life in a totally brand new way. Not just believing in Christ, but actually following him. Actually doing the things that he's called you to do. Life begins to look different. You begin to see the reason to celebrate. And so that's why I say this last point is so important. Is that if you want to follow well, you have to get in step with his plan. I can get in step with God's plan. You realize you can get in step with God's plan today. You can accept his invitation to follow him. And God will be with you on this journey of life. He's not necessarily going to take all the bad things out and just only put the good things in. He's just going to be with you no matter what life brings your way. And this is the evidence that we see over and over and over from looking just at Paul's life, but so much more in all of the disciples that we encountered in the book of Acts. And so when we get in step with his plan, God begins to do things in our life that we never thought were possible that we never thought that we would see. We experienced things that we never thought that we could experience, and life becomes so much more full than it ever would be following our own plan. As a matter of fact, it says at the very end of Acts 28, it said Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. He arrived as a prisoner, but he gets to stay in his own place. It says, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this, with all boldness, and without hindrance. With all boldness and without hindrance. Now I know you may not have been with us along the journey as we looked at Paul's 
journey to get to this place. But I can tell you something. There were times when Paul was scared. There were times when Paul would try to share and he would get beaten down. There were times when Paul would do things and he'd get run out of town. There were times when Paul would share these things and people would come behind him and try to undo it. And then now we get this picture that God blesses Paul in such a way that for two years there in Rome, he gets to share the message with all boldness and without hindrance. Didn't happen all the time, but he got it right there. And just what a blessing that is. So Paul was no longer hindered in sharing. He's just able to share this boldly. You know, you might not think that there's much to that, but I just want to tell you something as we wrap this up this morning. The greatest thing that you can or will ever do on this planet is share Jesus with others. It's the greatest thing that you'll ever do. And so many of us, even as followers of Christ, are missing out on the fullness of that because somehow in our Americanized version of Christianity, we believe that God is working overtime to get our attention and that if I follow him, he's doing everything for me. And actually his invitation was never believe in me and I'll bless you. His invitation is follow me and life will be full. And if you follow Christ, then he's inviting you to actually do something. The Christian faith is active. It's not passive. It's not something you believe. It's something that you do. And if you want to experience it in its fullness, then I will tell you the greatest thing that you will ever do is share Christ with other people. That's what motivated Paul everywhere he went. Whether he was shipwrecked to get there or whether he got there on purpose, he was like, I can do this. And if you want your Christian faith to come alive, then I will encourage you, just start sharing your story. Start sharing what God has done with you. Share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. Now, I want you to think about this in context of if you just believe that Jesus Christ came for me as opposed to that Jesus Christ is inviting me to follow him, I want you to listen to something. Everywhere Paul went, I told you that there was division. Here's why there was division. Paul's message bothered some people, particularly it bothered the Jews. And here's why. Because Paul's message was not an exclusive message. It wasn't saying God came for the Jews and that bothered the Jews. His message was Jesus Christ has come for all. And all are welcome to follow Christ. Sadly, only a few will. Now, think about that. That's what upset the Jews was that Jesus Christ came for everybody, not just for them. And then compare that to the way that we live our lives. Do we live our lives as a follower of Jesus Christ, believing that he came for me to be a blessing to others? Or do we live our lives as a believer in Jesus Christ, meaning that I believe that he came and died on the cross so that I can experience good life? The invitation is to follow him. And he doesn't just come for you or for me. He came for all. And the greatest thing that we can ever do is share that story with someone else. And when you begin to do that, when you begin to follow Jesus Christ, you will then gain a freedom and a purpose and a joy and experience life in the way that only happens if you're following Christ. It will never happen following your own way. And that's why the invitation is simply this today. Who will I follow? Who will I follow?